0: Learn more at marines.com. Welcome in, everyone, to the Talking Tide podcast. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. I'm joined by Travis Ryer, the senior analyst at BamaOnline.com and also the daily host of Southern Fried Sports Radio at 100.9 FM in Tuscaloosa, 11 to noon on weekdays. A lot to get into in this Relatively brief edition of Talking Tide, leading off, of course, Travis with Alabama's victory in the SEC Big Twelve Challenge over Kansas State. The final score there, seventy-seven to seventy-four. That game, of course, uh, played on Saturday on ESPN Two. And uh, Travis, uh, Alabama on a little bit of a roll here. Uh, got, uh, let's see, one, two, three, three in a row in SEC play. They knock off Kansas State. It's four in a row for Nate Oates and his squad.
1: Yeah, playing some really good basketball at a good time of year, giving themselves a chance, setting up at least an opportunity in the month of February to make a run at a uh, perhaps an NCAA tournament at-large bid. Uh, kind of gutted one out, gritted one out, although – I don't know if Nate Oates would agree with those adjectives. I don't think Nate Oates, based on his post-game comments Saturday night, was extremely pleased with the effort level from his team throughout the game. And you look at some of the stats that sort of speak to that, uh, things like, well, you can start with rebounding. Kansas State with a 45-33 advantage uh, on the glass. And how about this? 22 offensive boards for K-State in the game, just three for Alabama. So uh, that led to 15 second chance points or went a long way to the 15 second chance points uh, that K-State had in the game. And just watching it, you kind of got the sense that some of those 50-50 balls, some of the uh, you know rebound situations, things like that, um, for whatever reason, that wasn't exactly the same Alabama we've seen of late. And you give Kansas State some credit for that, too. Um, had a lot to prove after that debacle of a performance at Kansas midweek. Uh, So, uh, you know, it's a win, the bottom line. You know, we can talk about style points. We can talk about point spreads, all those things. Uh, It's that time of year where you're just trying to put one win on top of another, and you still got two out of the next three at home. So, uh, still sets up pretty good for this team, Chase.
0: Yeah, rebounding. Alabama's a relatively small team, and so they're going to run into some rebounding issues along the way. But rebounding's also a want-to thing. And to me, yeah, you give up twenty-two offensive rebounds to K-State—that's terrible. You got to box out better than that. But on the other side, Alabama only had three offensive rebounds of its own. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it, it was it was a mess on the glass for Alabama.
1: It was, uh, and, and not a game in which Alabama got up in that neighborhood of 33-point shots either. Pretty efficient, 8-of-22 at 36%, but a guy who was efficient, Chase, was Kyra Lewis Jr. Once again, 26 points, 7 boards. He needed just 12 shots to get to 26 points, and in large part because he went 8-of-8 eight eight from the free-throw line. Um, you know, had four turnovers. Alabama, again, especially earlier in the game, Turnover's an issue uh, on the heels of that, uh, that turnover-plagued p- uh, performance against Vanderbilt. Finished the game with 16, so not to the extent of uh, Wednesday night in Nashville, but uh, a team that still needs to, to become more consistent maybe in that area. But, you know, there's debate about which player is most important to this Alabama team, especially as it moves down the stretch of the season, gets into the second half of SEC play coming up here. And I think Kyra made a strong case for himself on Saturday evening.
0: couple guys out for the Wildcats after that brutal fight against Kansas a few days earlier. They had a, a dribble-out situation at the end of a blowout loss to the Jayhawks, Travis. And uh, anybody with uh, even a little bit of care about college basketball has probably seen that replay 10 times already. What a
1: disaster. It was. Uh, fortunately for K-State, in terms of you don't want to say use words like meaningful, but, but players that really impact their rotation. um, It it was really a situation of just one of the two players that they were without uh, in the game on Saturday. K state was so, you know, that, that wasn't as big of an issue as it could have been for the Wildcats. Um, But, but I did, I was impressed. I was impressed with the way K state got after it. It kind of, did to Alabama what Alabama's been doing to everyone else. And I'm sure if you're Nate Oates at this point, the message at least partially is look, we're on a nice run here. We're playing some good basketball, but you have to understand that effort and and tenacity and focus and attention to detail are largely how we're doing this right now. It's not because we're the most talented team or the deepest team in the Southeastern Conference. Uh, it, it's because the way we're playing as much as, as it is, Chase, how well we're playing. And I think that's a, a teaching point uh, that Nate Oates was able to get out of that win Saturday. And it's the kind you like to get as a coach because you got it in a win. Big five
0: minutes from Javion Davis, Travis. He didn't score a point, but it was good for Alabama to see that guy in the lineup. He'd done something to his knee in the previous game. There was some concern over that. Uh, But obviously for him to at least make a cameo appearance against K-State tells you he's okay. Alabama can't afford to lose. Alabama doesn't have enough big men that they can afford to lose one. And uh, he's a guy they need underneath
1: the rim. No doubt about it. And not just in terms of – game day but to practice effectively you know when you start getting down to eight or nine scholarship players uh all due respect to the walk-ons who you know are going to bring it every day do a great job from that perspective but uh you know that's where you feel it as well um, when you're trying to get ready for these games but you know the rebounding continues to be as much about the perimeter players as it is the post players um you had Kyra with Uh, tied with Jaden Shackelford for a team I-7 boards in the game. Uh, So, you know, uh, that that continues to be a theme for this team. And they still get to the free throw line. Shot 37 free throws on Saturday. Made 27 of them. You know, outscored K-State by 15 from the free throw line. And when you look at a three-point game, uh, that shows up pretty big.
0: Alabama moves to 12-7 and seven on the season, 4-2 and two in SEC play. So looking pretty good, sitting pretty good in the league right now, Travis, but a big challenge coming up uh, on Wednesday. They're going to be on the road in Baton Rouge taking on an LSU team that sits just outside the AP top 25 at this point. The Tigers have got uh, – they're in that also receiving votes category. It's been a good year for LSU.
1: It's been a continuation of last year, a team that – seemingly at times makes it harder on itself than it probably needs to. But you saw this in the win over Texas for LSU on Saturday. Uh, That looked like a game in which LSU could really control at any point. Next thing you know, they're fighting for their lives there uh, down the stretch and ultimately get it done by two. Uh, They're comfortable in those situations, man. And they're just as impressive, if not more impressive, on the road than they are in Baton Rouge. So uh, so when you think about, well, if, if we don't get this one, if we're Alabama on the road, you know, we'll get them at home. LSU's won 12 straight conference games on the road. So they're, they're very comfortable away from the Pete Maravich Center and uh, you know, just a physical team. I mean, they try to bully you, man. And that's not to say they aren't skilled because they are. You look at Trendon Watford, the freshman that made his way from Mountain Brook High School over in the Birmingham area uh, down to LSU in this most recent recruiting class. And, you know, this is a guy 6'8", 6'9", can play out high, uh, can handle the basketball, can uh, really do it all. He was he was very good against Texas on Saturday. So uh, it's a, it's a physically gifted team. But it's also a team that, that again, feels like, feels like they, can, they feel like they can push you around. And I think that's going to be the biggest challenge for Alabama is the physicality that, that uh, Skylar Mays and Wideford and, and uh, the rest of those guys for LSU are going to bring to the table.
0: Here's the stretch upcoming on the SEC schedule for the Crimson Tide. Travis, just want to get your overall assessment of this group of games that are coming up over their next six tilts. Uh, they've got three at home three on the road, playing LSU twice, once on the road. That's the one coming up once again uh, in Tuscaloosa. That'll be on February 15th. In between those two games against LSU, they are going to be home against Arkansas, home against Tennessee, at Georgia, and at Auburn.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a heck of a stretch, and I think – you know, if you can get through this upcoming stretch and get to the final three weeks of the regular season and you look at how the schedule breaks down over those final six games, looks pretty favorable right now. Um, but you know, it, it, looks, it looks okay in terms of two of the next three at home. The problem is the competition level in general is about to go up. You know it's going to go up with the first-place team in the SEC on Wednesday at LSU. Um, but even next uh, Saturday... Here in Tuscaloosa, Arkansas is an improved team in year one under Eric Musselman. Had a nice win over TCU in that SEC Big Twelve Challenge over the weekend. Then Tennessee's going to come in here midweek in about ten days or so, uh, and that won't be an, an easy game. Um, it's a team in terms of style of play. It's going to be pretty different for Alabama. Kind of like how, um, kind of like how Kansas State was. Uh, but I thought Tennessee held up well on the road in a, in a pretty close loss to Kansas on Saturday. So, yeah, you know, that Georgia game actually on the road down the, down the stretch there, down the way a little bit, that's probably Alabama's easiest game coming up in the next couple of three weeks. And that's a Georgia team uh, that's been struggling pretty good here of late.
0: Yeah, February 8th, that game, it'll be a Saturday uh, SEC Network broadcast over in Athens. So, yeah, tough stretch coming up. Uh, for Alabama, but they are playing well for sure. Uh, nipped Kansas State uh, by three. They've been beating people uh, a little more soundly than that of late, but uh, you got to win the close ones too sometimes. Uh, turnovers, Alabama had 10 in the first half against Kansas State, but finished with only 16, so I guess they cleaned that up a little bit at halftime. Uh, you know Nate Oates uh, is going to be harping on turnovers on this team, Travis. It's uh uh, it's something that, that Alabama's – one of the markings of Alabama's improvement has, has been getting those turnovers under control.
1: Yeah, in the last couple of games, it's been an issue. And uh, as we talked about earlier, certainly against uh, against Vanderbilt, when you turn it over 25 times, you can do that against Vanderbilt. You're, you're not going to be able to do that in any of these three games coming up and win, you're, you're, uh, whether you're at home or at, at LSU. You're not going to turn it over 25 times midweek coming up against LSU and, and even have a chance uh, to win that game, uh, even at home against Arkansas and, uh, and Tennessee, the two games after that. You, you do those kind of things. You're not going to have a chance either. So uh, like I said earlier, there, there were some things to come out of that game on Saturday. Uh, attention to detail, you know, um, taking care of the basketball sort of falls into that category, I would think. Uh, winning 50-50 balls, keeping balls alive until you can get it to a teammate, something we've talked about that's been effective for Alabama from a rebounding perspective. You know, those are the things that are going to have to be constants. I mean, we look at certain areas of a box score and we say, okay, three-point shooting, what does that look like? And really, rebounding, because as, as we talked about earlier, you talked about earlier, that we knew going into the season, based on the roster, that would likely be a deficiency. For this team, uh, and then free throw shooting. You know, those are the areas and turnovers. I mean, those are the areas where you're going to find out without even looking at the score most games. You know how Alabama came through, and um, you know they're 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 doing well in like two or three of those four or five categories on a pretty consistent basis, but they're not hitting on all of them. I'm sure as much as Nate Oates would like.
0: Talking Tide Podcast at podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and tune in to Twitter feed Talking underscore Tide. You're listening to episode 158 of the Talking Tide Podcast, season four, if I'm not mistaken, Travis. Been at this a while. Uh, here on Talking Tide. i got to thank a couple of sponsors really quickly before we move on and talk a little Senior Bowl, a little Alabama football. We're going to start with North River Dental Associates, charter sponsor of the Talking Tide podcast for all of your dental needs, for all of your family's dental needs, Go to North River Dental Associates. If you live in Tuscaloosa, in or around, uh, you need to check them out. 1100 Fairfax Park in Northport, right off McFarland Boulevard. Dr. Jack Smalley, a former Alabama football player, has an excellent caring staff over there of dental hygienists. They do a great job with routine cleanings, endodontics, teeth whitening services, porcelain veneers laser dentistry cosmetic dentistry they do it all and those routine cleanings are going to get you in and out of there in less than an hour and it's going to be painless Travis painless is uh the key uh for me anyway when I go to that dentist I don't I don't like walking out of there uh uh feeling like I've uh gone a couple rounds with Mike Tyson but uh they do a great job over there for sure uh painless and quick with those routine cleanings Again, the address, 1100 Fairfax Park. Uh, Go to NorthRiverDentist.com for an appointment. It's North River Dental Associates.
1: I was just in there on Tuesday of last week. I sheared part of a crown on a molar in the back and uh, called on, I guess there wasn't any pain involved with the the, uh, situation. So I called like Friday the week before and said look it's not an emergency I've I've cracked a crown or something's happened back there I just want to let you know Dr. Jack know I need to get in there they said sure uh, we'll get you in Tuesday at four so I was in there on Tuesday at four as we have talked about many times I wasn't in the waiting room uh, three minutes I don't think and I was in a chair Doctor Smalley, without the need for anesthesia or anything, makes an adjustment to the situation, tells me I'm good to go. I'm out of there in less than 15 minutes' time. Can't that's what there. you're. That, that's the type of service you're going to get, and expertise, by the way, from Doctor Jack Smalley, no doubt about it. I'm going to tell you about Southern Alehouse out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Also out there, kind of in that Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa, similar to Doctor Jack Smalley. Um, They've got some additions coming to that 2020 menu, and I'm excited to tell you about them as soon as I find out what they are. But I have no doubt they're going to be outstanding because they're going to have to meet up to the standard of what already is on that Southern Alehouse menu. And from that perspective, can certainly tell you about the Yardbird chicken sandwich, can tell you about the great burgers, can tell you about those biscuit plates that are out of this world, can tell you about the dinner plates such as the meatloaf. Uh, You know what they had this past week that's absolutely great is that brisket chili. It's been perfect weather of late for some brisket chili, and they do it as great as anyone can do chili at Southern Ale House. 1530 McFarland Boulevard North and the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Also want to tell you about Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. When it comes to pizza, the only place you need to know. He Pizza Bar, and it's right there in the middle of downtown, adjacent to the Government Plaza parking garage, so you never have an issue finding a place to park. You go in, Frank, Will, and his staff, they're going to get you seated, or maybe you just jump up there at the bar. That's what we do a lot of times. We end up bar side a lot of times. And from there, you get with the starters. Maybe it's that caprese plate that's always super, that fresh cut tomato with that fresh mozzarella, a little balsamic on there. Then you go to the pies, whether it's the barbecue chicken pizza that's your favorite. Maybe it's just a a straight traditional cheese, pepperoni, uh, Thai chicken pizza. They've got you covered. They've got the exclusive pies that you're only going to find. Right there at Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza.
0: I'm afraid I've spent more stool time than table seating (laughs) time
1: at both Southern (laughs) Ale and Heat,
0: Travis.
1: Well, you know, that's kind of the way we do it, you know, especially as you get older. You get older, whether it's with your pals or your significant other, because you become more of that empty nester couple. And there's really not a neat. I mean, you go into some of these restaurants, good bread, and they tell you there's an hour and a half wait. And there's two two perfectly good stools right there at the bar, you know, or at the sushi bar.
0: We go straight yeah. there. We we're, go we're, straight are
1: bar there. couple. That's all we do. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Talking Tide Podcast at podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Tune In. The Twitter feed, Talking underscore Tide, we link immediately uh, when we drop a podcast to that Twitter feed. So if you want to keep up with it, be sure uh, to follow that feed. Again, it's at Talking underscore Tide uh, is the uh, Twitter handle. Uh, Travis, we're going to jump in and talk a little Senior Bowl really quickly. Obviously, they wrapped up uh, the North with a win over the South on Saturday uh, should have been four Alabama players involved in the Senior Bowl. Ended up being three uh, because Raquan Davis was a late withdrawal. Let's start with him, I guess. Missed opportunity for sure for Raquan Davis, a guy who, who probably needed that game in, in, in a couple of different ways. I know the NFL teams were uh, looking forward to getting their hands on him down there, but he had uh, an injury that uh, was bothering him. He called Nick Saban. Saban, uh, as he does annually, Uh, drops in and and spends a little bit of time at practice, usually on Tuesday or Wednesday he drops in. And and when he does, he gives the media about five, ten minutes. And uh, this year he mentioned that he got a call from Raquan Davis, I think just one day before players were supposed to report to Mobile. And at that point, Davis was on the fence about whether he should go or not. And Saban said, look, you, you either feel like you can create value or you don't. Uh, and, and, and that's what you base your decision on. And uh, Raquan Davis decided to go ahead and pull out. And so he'll be uh, no doubt trying to heal up and get ready for the combine and pro day and uh, put the senior bowl behind him.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I think you get the sense because of the physical attributes and, um, you know, those kind of things, first and foremost, and the position being of great value like it is that Raquan Davis plays Teams down there, Chase, I got to think, they wanted to see Raquan Davis play himself into or perform at a level that would submit his status as a first-round pick. They want to draft Raquan Davis in the first round, don't they? I mean, if you're 6'7", 310 pounds, can move, you know, have some decent tape. Hey, that, that, there's plenty of teams out there that would love to take you in the first round. Now, unfortunately for him, apparently the ankle that was uh, the same issue for him down the stretch of the 2019 season continues to bother him. Uh, but I agree. I think it was an opportunity for him, had he been healthy enough, uh, to, to, to be what teams wanted him to be down there. And that's a first round guy. Instead, it sounds like Javon Kinlaw of South Carolina did what everyone sort of expected him to do and was – only there for, what, two days, right? I mean, he didn't stay for the game, Javon Kinlaw. So that was more opportunities with Kinlaw after he left that perhaps Raquan Davis would have had.
0: Yeah, Kinlaw was only down there for a couple of days. Pulled out, I think, on Thursday morning with some sort of a tweak uh, but he totally dominated a couple of practices and was really the talk of the week.
1: Uh, pulled out of there with pulled out of there with top ten itis. <laughs> <laughs> he he pulled
0: he pulled out of there like Michael Bataluco in the Model T with the dollar uh, bills. He looked
1: at that agent. Car. He looked at that agent after that Wednesday workout. That agent said, we good, Javon. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Like, like baby face, like baby face Nelson with the folding money
1: coming unstowed.
0: You know, just flying out of the car. That's how he left.
1: Yeah, exactly. He, he, um, he made some money. There is no, no doubt about it. No, it, it. it sounds like it did happen that way for Javon Kenlaw, But what about Anthony Jennings Chase? What about Terrell Lewis, Jared Maiden? Uh, did you were there? Did, did Did they do much to help themselves down there?
0: I think Lewis probably helped himself the most which is not as necessarily say he dominated but I think he just confirmed for teams what they saw on tape which is a guy that's just crazy long and and you could see how long he is on television for sure but when you see it up close it's even more impressive. I mean the guy can close the guy can close on a quarterback in a step when it looks like he's two steps. Um, yeah because he just, you know, he, he had a he had a strip on uh, Steven Montez, the quarterback from Colorado, one day in practice, that was really impressive. I'm, I happen to throw a little clip of that on on Twitter, but you know he gets he gets an offensive tackle just a little bit off balance. He takes advantage, and and then bang! It's uh, it's it's really it's a step and a reach for him in, instead of a couple of steps, and and uh, he was he was impressive. Uh, Jim Nagy, as a matter of fact. And his introductory press conference said that if it weren't for Lewis's uh, injury concerns, medical history, he, he said he's a top 15 talent. Oh, yeah. Uh, so it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see where he goes and, and really what things look like uh, medically with him at the combine. That'll be crucial for him. Uh, I thought it, kind of a middling performance probably for Jared Maiden and, and, and Jennings as well. Jennings made some plays um and they ran Jennings and Lewis and some uh drill work and coverage you know just to see what they could do yeah they, they like to take some guys that have they like to throw guys into into some drill work that that they they don't have on tape you know just 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 to see what it looks like and so it was it was interesting saw
1: Jennings at some Mike linebacker and watching the coverage during the week and um you know, he, he would line up inside at times at Alabama, but that was more out of sub packages um, than than base stuff. But it looked like, and uh, uh, one of the practices I caught last week on, I guess ESPN, uh, he was he was working some legitimately at an inside linebacker spot uh, in more of a of a base type look. And so, you know, maybe he's got some Dante Hightower to him, Chase. I mean, we see Dante. We have seen Dante with the Patriots. They've used him a number of different ways, and versatility is still king. And we equate that usually, right, with defensive backs, but it definitely carries over to the linebackers. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah, no doubt about it. They, They... uh, Anthony Jennings can do a lot of different things. They, they saw plenty of them during the practice week. So, yeah, uh, depending on who's drafting them and, and what the D.C. likes to do, I, I think Jennings could end up doing a number of different things. What I don't think we're going to see is Anthony Jennings be a D.P.I. at the NFL level, a Deep. A, Designated pass rusher, uh, whatever anybody does with him that drafts him, I don't think you're going to see him coming off the edge full time. Because uh, yeah. I, I, don't know he's going to, I don't know that he brings enough juice in that role alone. He can do it, but I don't think it's what he's going to be doing full time. So,
1: so kind of like Dante. Yeah, I mean Dante wasn't going to be that guy, but you know, I, maybe this is where Anthony Jennings' uh, physical attributes help him. I mean, because he's still. He's a big dude. I mean, he's 6'3", 6'3 half, 255 255-ish. Um, if anything, might be a little big to play inside linebacker these days with the way they're used. But um, I would think, yeah, I would agree with that. I don't think he's an every-down-edge pass rusher, which is what I would think. That's that's more along the lines of Terrell Lewis, I would guess. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. D.P.R what I meant to say, not DPI, <laughs> DPI, that defensive pass interference. I get my alphabet soup yeah. a little jumbled sometimes, yeah. Travis, you know, my old age. Uh, but uh, Freddie Roach, will turn our attention there really quickly before we close things out here on Talking Tide. Travis, the former Crimson Tide linebacker, looks like he's lining up to be uh, the next in what's become of kind of a carousel of defensive line coaches at Alabama.
1: Yeah, Hawk, if you've coached the Alabama defensive line, you know, it sounds like a traffic jam in Manhattan or something at this point uh, if we did that. But, no, Freddie Roach has kind of taken that path through the coaching ranks that, that most guys uh, typically have to follow. And the last three years have had him over in Oxford at Ole Miss where he did a nice job. and produced, Helped produce, anyway, a couple guys that you were able to lay your eyes on down there in Mobile this week uh, from the Ole Miss contingent. So, uh, I think, too, when you talk about Freddie And the upside and his ceiling, uh, recruiting a big part of that too, Chase. And uh, McKinley Jackson is a four star defensive tackle that they're trying to close out right now from over in the state of Mississippi. So, you know, that may be an area where Freddie's uh, impact is felt pretty much immediately. But even if that's not the case, big picture wise, In terms of the total package and being able to develop players and mentor to players and also get out there and get after it on the recruiting trail in a way in which really we haven't seen from an Alabama defensive line coach since Bo Davis, that's the guy I think Freddie Roach can can, uh, trend towards being.
0: Bo Davis, by the way, was barking at those defensive linemen down in Mobile. Of course, he's <laughs> I saw him, with yeah. The Lions and uh, getting getting a little bit of a gray beard, getting a little getting a little salt in that in that in that beard. Travis uh, is Bo Davis. Saw Leon Washington there too. He's on that Lions staff as well. The former huh. FSU running back who hails yeah. from uh, Northeast Florida as Jackson United. High School. Yep. Yeah. There you go. So that's going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast for Travis Ryer of bamaonline.com and Southern Fried Sports Radio. I'm Chase Goodbread of nfl.com and Crimson Cover Television. Uh, join us next time here on Talking Tide. We'll be coming at you again here in another week or so. We'll talk to you then.